Good morning, September 19th, 2021. This is the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. And we're reading from Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 37. As I was reading through the lessons for this day, I was thinking, what would make a good message for us to hear today? Something timely and fitting and that would apply to us all. What is God's word saying to us through these readings? And as I mold those questions over in my mind, what began to emerge from the lessons, particularly from the epistle of James and the gospel of Mark, what I began to see is this. These readings portray very vividly and plainly the rhythm of the Christian life. And that is in these three readings, repentance, faith, and servanthood. Repentance, faith, and servanthood. So let's look at those things now and see how they apply to us in the daily rhythm of how we as Christians live. The rhythm of the Christian life, repentance, faith, and servanthood. I think the aspect of repentance comes out most strongly in the reading from James, and faith and servanthood in the reading from Mark. So let's start with the strong message of repentance that James has for us today. He writes, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Boy, that doesn't sound like anything that we want to hear. Sounds like a tough message indeed. This is not something you're going to hear at a happy, clappy, pep rally praise center where everything is light and fluffy and designed to make you feel good about yourself. No way. But this is a true, authentic preaching of God's Word. It is the hard message of repentance, and we do need to hear it. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Listen, James is calling us sinners. Where does he get off doing that? I'm a pretty good person, but no, God's Word of Law shows us that we're not that good. The Law shows us that we are sinners, every one of us. We have broken His commandments in thought, in word and deed, in the wrong things we have done and the right things that we have left undone as we confess on Sundays. Where have your hands gone? What have they done? On your computer keyboard, with your remote control? Where have your hands gone? Whose will have they served? We must confess that our hands are dirty and in need of cleansing. But you can't wash them clean enough to pass God's inspection test. You can't do like Pilate did and wash his hands in a basin of water and then think that that's good enough. All the hand sanitizer that we've used in this past year has not enough to cleanse our hands and keep it clean. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, now we're getting to the heart of the matter, aren't we? We may be able to put on a show of clean hands to all outward observation, but inwardly our hearts and minds are not free from corrupt and evil desires, covetousness, greed, envy, lust, impurity, all things that place on the inside where no one can see them, except God, of course. He sees the heart. He knows your mind. You've been double-minded, sometimes wanting to do the will of God, but at other times setting your mind on things in this world that you want to do, that you want to follow, the passions and desires of your own flesh. That's what double-mindedness is, and so we must pray. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And so James says, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. This is sorrow over sin, your sin, 
falsehood. This is not about other people. This is not just some theological theory. This is real life. How often do we let this message of repentance just bounce off our head and not touch our heart? It's an abstract theory for us. I, a poor miserable sinner. The words just sort of roll off our tongue, but do they rip at our heart? They should. One thing we need to repent of is a shallow, surface repentance. A saying, I'm sorry, instead of putting on sackcloth and ashes. Not heartfelt, not deeply felt, all too easy. But our sin, my sin, your sin, should move us deeply. Are we content, are we satisfied to remain in our rut, to think lightly of what grieves God so, and betrays our identity as his children? Do we let God's grace and his forgiveness become a license for our continued sinning? Hear the word of the Lord. Repent, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. There's a time for this. When we're convicted of our sins, it does not mean, oh, God will forgive them. Or I can go ahead and do that because God will forgive them. Hear the word of James also. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. When the law does its work to humble you, the gospel comes to the rescue, to lift you up and exalt you. The law first, then the gospel. God does not want you to stay down, but you do need to mourn your sin in order to be ready to hear the good news of how God lifts you up. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And where is this grace found? When you are beat down in the weight of your sinfulness, who comes along to pick you up? It is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now this is where faith comes in. Faith, the second of the three things today, we're, called, we're calling the rhythm of the Christian life. Because after repentance comes faith. And it is faith focused on Christ. But sometimes we can't get past the repentance. Sometimes we can't forgive ourselves or admit that we would be so vile or sinful as to do something. And so we don't focus our faith on Christ, rather than following our sins. But the rhythm of the Christian life after repentance is to look to faith in Christ. This is the Jesus who says, as we heard in the Gospel of Mark, the Jesus who says, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. Again, this does not sound like a happy peppy Jesus, your best buddy and your friendly life coach. No, this is Jesus does a bigger and better job than that. He gets to the root of the problem. We've heard this before. He does the only effective thing that will deal decisively with your sin and the death that follows. He goes to the root of the problem. What does this Jesus do? He dies for you. The root of the problem is sin and death. He dies for the sin of the world, and that's how deep the problem goes and the solution reaches. For the very Son of God dies for your sins. He sheds his holy blood for you on the cross, and this is what will cleanse you of all your sins. This is what cleanses those dirty hands of yours and mine. This is what will purify your double-minded mind. It is the blood of Jesus. God's own son. Trust in him for your cleansing. There is no other. 
Only Jesus can put you right with God. Only Jesus can raise you from the dead. The deadness of sin and the physical death that will land you in the grave. Jesus can and will raise you from this double deadness. Faith looks to Christ for forgiveness and cleansing, for new life now and for eternal life to come. And so faith is central to the rhythm of Christian life. Faith always looks to Jesus and his cross and his resurrection for everything that we need. This faith, this believing in and trusting in Christ, this is itself a gift of God. The Holy Spirit works through the gospel, through his word and sacrament, through baptism to generate this faith in you and to keep you in your faith strong. And that leads us then to the third aspect of the Christian life brought out in our lesson today, and that is servanthood. Repentance, then faith, and then servanthood. Listen to the words of Jesus. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. This sounds odd. If you want to be first, if you want to be great, you would think the idea is to put yourself forward, to advance your own cause, to get flyers out there, to make big announcements, to be powerful, maybe give an edict or a mandate, to get to the place where people are serving you. But no. Jesus turns this whole thing around and stands greatness on its head. The way to be being first is to be last. The way of greatness is servanthood. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all, the least. That's how Jesus himself did it. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so now his followers, his disciples, you and me, we are called to walk in the way of our master. You see, we have been freed up. We are secure in Christ who provides everything that we need. We don't have to advance ourselves. We don't have to order. We don't have to have others serve us. Christ has already moved us to a higher place. So now we are able to let go and to stop striving and climbing over other people in our quest for greatness. We are even free enough to serve them. Whom will you find to serve this week? Jesus took a little child and placed him in the midst of his disciples and took that child in his arms and said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. The point being, even to serve a seemingly insignificant little child, someone who cannot do anything to advance your cause, someone you might pass over on your path to greatness, to serve such a one is what we do as followers of our Lord. Who will the Lord put in your path this week for you to serve? Jesus' disciples, the twelve, they were all caught up in the game of who was the greatest. They saw Jesus as their ticket to great things. He was bringing in the kingdom of God here on earth, and they wanted to be in and on the action and grab the best spots in his administration. They were thinking like climbers and self-advancers, the way of the world is. So Jesus has to straighten out their thinking. They didn't get it yet. Maybe sometimes we don't get it either. We get seduced and caught up in the ways of the world. But, as James says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. 
This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And so now we've come full circle. Now we come back to repentance when that happens. Now we must confess our sins. Now it is time to look to Jesus once again in faith for forgiveness and for grace and for the Lord to lift us up and get us going again. Now we get back restored and strengthened to the place of servanthood. You see the rhythm of the Christian life? It is a daily thing. It is day-to-day -day baptismal living, dying to sin, rising with Christ, serving others in love. And the power of a new life, repentance, faith, and servanthood. The daily rhythm of Christian life. Amen.